Skunk it. I am Groot. 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 I am. I am Groot. 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 How long are we keeping this? I was going to be like, can he say I'm Groot? Can he shorten it? Well, like he said, didn't he at the end of the first one, he said we are Groot. He says we are Groot. Um, so. Do you think he's a bit pissed off that he effectively dies at the end of the first one? Because he's like, man, I was just, just expanding my vocabulary. Well, this is what they... Right as that happened. Because, like, the whole... I always thought that I Am Groot was, uh, like, he just was not very good at learning English in the, as far as he'd got his introducing himself. But, like... No, that's like a language. It's like a I, language. It, like, it, yeah. it, I feel like that's more this film. This film's more... The Guidance of the Galaxy Volume 2 is more that, like, it's less... He can only say three words and more... He It just is a language... Yeah. That, like, they, they can decipher... I mean, they do have a lot of that in the first one. They do have a lot of like. Do they? I feel like yeah, like when he's like a. The the end when they're trying to come up with a plan, and he's like, "I am Groot," and he's like, "Thank you," and he's like, "See, but like, that's always Rocket saying that." But like, maybe no, that was Star Lord that said. Oh, Thank was it Star Lord? Yeah. Okay. See. Ah, oh, maybe okay. That's fair enough. Because <laughs> I always thought it was Rocket from because then Rocket would know him enough to go and be able to like understand what he's saying, yeah. even if it was just those three words. Um, but no, I guess it is. It's, it's hinted that it's a full language. It's a whole language. Chewbacca thing, and like, aye, people could just understand what these. The the fucking R two D two. That one always baffled me. Like, aye, it looks like that's right. R two two plus two is four. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite quite weird that most of his dialogue was just basic mathematics sums. <laughs> that was the strange part of R two D two. What if like R two D two actually really hates Luke Skywalker, and looks like looks like uh, we're gonna be going away for a little while r2 and r2's like i fucking hate you you absolute twat and he's like that's right r2 we're going to the dagobah system <laughs> Dude, don't get it you fucking cunt you muckhead fucking cunt i fucking get the fuck out of my face you're annoying me um but it does, he's like he's isn't it like heavily hinted he's got he's, he uses quite a lot of profanity who? R2? I. I don't know. I feel, I feel like C-3PO quite often goes, um, like, watch your language or something like that. Yeah. I feel, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's entirely made up. That's also a Guardians 2 joke. When he's like, oh, yeah. We need to have a serious conversation about your, we need to have a serious conversation about your, uh, I. He said, language, welcome yeah. to the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. Although he didn't use freaking. Seems odd that Rocket would decide to censor it. <laughs> There's no children around. <laughs> well, I guess there is in the audience. Groot is a child, but then he said it. Hmm. So what's he protecting Groot from himself? <laughs> Can you protect me from yourself? <laughs> what's that from again? Lord of the Rings. What? Like, how long do you reckon it would take Amy Adams to communicate with Groot? With Groot, she manages to communicate with those aliens pretty fucking quickly, Aye. effectively. But then, Groot's... I mean, that's probably because there was people writing a script for her. But I, <laughs> yeah, was... they wrote a movie about it. But like, that was a complicated language. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it was, even though it seemed really, really complicated. Like in um, Arrival, there's the the circle with all, but it has all the twelves and stuff, and all those twelves, all the twirls and stuff, like the twelves and the 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 various shapes that are in the circle. Like, they all must mean something. But yeah. like, 
I am Groot is literally yeah it's like because they can't he you know they, they can be like oh that this symbol here means happy and this one means sad but like with yeah with I am Groot it's literally just you have three words for every emotion and every sentence and I guess it must be the pitch or something. let's fucking make that movie yeah <laughs> I'd watch that film the arrival of Groot Amy Adams Vin Diesel get Denis Villeneuve back get him to do it <laughs> the arrival of the arrival of I am Groot the arrival that of would I'm... make like a good Marvel one shot yeah that would make that would be a fucking we should pitch that that is a good idea I genuinely want to see that <laughs> the, the crossover that we've all been waiting to see <laughs> arrival and like some people see. have been waiting for Groot to join the Avengers but we nah. we want him to join Amy Adams we in... want him to join the Denis Villeneuve cinematic universe <laughs> Does that include Blade Runner? Uh, I think so. Have yeah, seen, I think it Have you seen the Blade Runner trailer? Yeah, I watched the Blade Runner trailer. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm excited. Hi. I... Uh, we, because... Oh, oh, no, oh, I have the whole... Oh. I, is it a controversial opinion? I don't know. Where I'm not super crazy about Blade Runner. I appreciate it in the grand scheme of things. And I like the visual things that it achieved. But I just can never get into it. I can never... I just never give a fuck about what's going on. Until that speech at the um, what's his face, Rutger Hauer, who was the who was the voice of, who was the guy who played the android? I couldn't tell. Okay, the top of my never head. mind. Well, he um, like when he makes a speech at the end, that does get me. Wasn't that but, improv?ed I feel like yeah. that's something I've seen somewhere. Yeah, because I think it was. I, there was a speech written, but I think it was very convoluted and had no emotion to it. And he was like, "I can make this better." Because um, I may or may not be Rutger Howard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the opposite. Of no, it's Rip Torn, was it? Fuck me, I don't know. Let's get off this uh, conversation. Um, I guess that the the thing about Blade Runner, like, cause it's that wouldn't have been a controversial opinion if you'd been there the year it was released, because it got panned. Blade yeah. Runner. Um, I guess the thing about Blade Runner is that maybe, like, I do like the film, but maybe it doesn't have like the fun loving of some certain yeah. other sci-fi films and not that every sci-fi film needs to be a fun loving one but even some no. of the best ones tend to have some sort of fun element to them I think um, I think I no I am excited for it I do like Aye. I do like Blade Runner I just don't it's definitely not my go-to but I am that being said like I am excited for this one I think a lot of that comes from how much I like Denis Villeneuve and what he's got going on I've liked everything he's done so far so I think it more stems from that than the fact that it's Blade Runner. Uh, like it could be anything, and I'm still excited. Yeah, that's I, that's fair enough. I I'm excited to uh, have the complete trilogy of Old Man Harrison Ford, <laughs> started from the Kingdom of the Crystal yeah. Skull, Force Awakens, and now Blade Runner. Do you think it's just going to get progressively better? <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of the few trilogies that does get progressively the, better. The old, <laughs> the uh, old Harrison Ford trilogy. Uh, the Old Man Harrison. There's Ford There's a trilogy. movie marathon we need to have. <laughs> just all of his. Um, nostalgic old films, <laughs> old man films. Um, he's want to do another Indiana Jones as well. Yeah, he is. Of course they are. Because what else is Hollywood doing? Nothing <laughs> <laughs> else. Sure, not another one. What's up, people of Thingy? Welcome to Second Avenue Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, and Groot himself. I am Groot. I am Groot. I'm Groot Morrison. It's true. I I have been known to Groot. Mm. What I like, you know the. What's up, people of Peopleton thing? Yeah. When you go back and watch, because the very first episode we did was a video one. If you go back and watch that, 
when you say what's up people of Peopleton, my face just like scrunches up. I'm like, the fuck is he saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, I like how, even though I clearly was not on board with it, <laughs> that's just what's happened. It's now. just a staple now. People I've made it a staple. Uh, well, all, all bizarre ideas must have started off like that. <laughs> like the, like, think of one thing, Danny. Think of one thing in the entire world. The bed. The bed, imagine. Is that because there's a bed there? Yeah, I <laughs> see what I see. Um, the first person who was like, I've decided I'm going to make a mattress and it's got metal springs in it that is, and it's going to be really comfortable. Someone must have been like, what are you on about? There was always, there was always a Scott no, Morrison who was like, what are you on about? What are you on about? <laughs> metal springs. I'm holding this podcast <laughs> back from its true potential. Like sleep on a bearskin rug like the rest of us. Why do you want metal springs? <laughs> You sleep on the cold, hard ground. It makes you a man. <laughs> That's There's always a Scott Morrison. The invention of the poster. Say what you see. They were just like, I'm going to stick picture. Well, like well, a, a, what a else are you going to say? Oh, the invention of the carpet. Oh, fucking <laughs> get on with it. Right. <laughs> um, today we're going to re- like review slash um, um, compare the yeah. new Guardians of the Galaxy film. It's an, I thought it'd be... Th- this is an interesting one because obviously we did the first one. <clears throat> and it was like the third episode we did. Aye. So we've done that. But then also, we normally, when we do films from the cinema, it's like right as we come out of the cinema. But what it was two weeks today. Was it we, two weeks? It was two weeks today that we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 together. So we're really fucking... Danny, you know, the alien covenant's out now. We could be talking about alien colon it's prometheus again <laughs> we could be talking about that but we're talking about you haven't seen that yet have you no nah, i haven't seen it i, I don't care I, <laughs> I just have no interest in it at all i am gonna see it apparently it's supposed to rain tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> that's a good i've got the day off work right. so I might that's that's the demographic ridley scott's going <laughs> <laughs> it might rain tomorrow Let's get those get those summer boys in. We're gonna... <laughs> the the uh, the people who wore shorts rather over optimistically. That's that's the crowd Ridley Scott's going for. Speaking of sunshine and stuff, Danny, I don't know if I'll leave this in or not. But could you turn on the light? It's already getting quite dark in here. It, like it was, it did. It started off quite bright when it we started off. Yeah, it's it only been off, like much like my personality. Minutes. It started off, you know, very bright and positive, and then very very quickly it's uh, ran out. This is me walking from the light switch. <laughs> I thought I'd like show you how far that was in terms of sound. I feel like yeah. any anybody is very good with telling how distant can see, sounds can work out the, yeah. rad- the radius. If, of if you have a a, a a guesstimate of how how far it, it is from m- where I'm sitting to the light switch, um, tweet yes, yeah, tweet, <laughs> tweet us if you follow us. Um, both of you might be on holiday this week, so I'm not sure if any of you <laughs> like if you're actually gonna get that. That was something I wanted to do. You know what? We could do it now. What's that? We have rambled too long. <laughs> we have been recording for 12 minutes and I already have four timestamps, Danny. This is not a good sign. Um, something I wanted to do was like, I want to say right now, if you're listening right now, go on to Facebook page at Second Opinion Pod on Facebook. Second with a two. Second with a two. Just type yes. <laughs> That's all I want. I just want a just solid... Post yes I d- Just post yes. Because I just want a solid like... I want a real glance at our true listener base. <laughs> and if you have, I feel like it's going to be If you have spare time, second opinion, erotic fan fiction. Yep. Post it there. That. Post it on the wall. If anyone wants to, if any art art, art people out there want to do some animated. <laughs> for free, of course. Because you paid. love us. Because you're dedicated to us. 
and our commitment to get into the to the heart of an episode mm. as quickly as possible. Mm. Yeah. What's this one about again? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> right. Um, the like the interesting the reason we did Guardians of the Galaxy is because uh, I'm probably one of the few people, shamefully, who's not the biggest yeah, fan of the first one. Um, I've, I've, I've defend myself in that episode as well. Like, I don't think it's a bad film. Yeah. I just feel it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. I feel like missed opportunity is the better way to put it. Mm. Um, because what you had was like this Marvel formula at the time, especially that was just like it was getting in, like had almost turning like turning into that like a like a formula. Yeah. Of figuring out exactly what it was that made a Marvel film, <clears throat> and then like. The fans were wanting, they were wanting the Ant-Man film that Edgar Wright's been mm. working on. The Doctor Strange film that Kevin Feige's wanted to put out for a long time. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't wait to see a Hulk solo film where he goes to Planet Hulk and Marvel go, what we're going to do... So we're going to do none do, of that. <laughs> none of that, none of that. We're not listening. Guardians of the Galaxy. And everyone was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, they remember, there used to be a time where everyone was like... What's Guardians What's of the Galaxy? Even yeah. like hardcore comic book fans were happened to look at Marvel Wiki yeah. to figure out what the hell Guardians of the Galaxy were. what this big tree and a talking raccoon was. And... Aye. And like, it was a property that no one knew about. And let's face it, at the time, no one cared about. Mm. Like, it, no one cared about it to the point where, like, no one knew about it. Mm. Um, and then they were like, cool, it's going to be set in space, so it's going to be far away from anything that's already happening in the end, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You, what, you see Iron Man, you see Captain America, none of them, none of them are in this. Uh, and then we're going to go get one of the most bizarre directors of recent years. Yeah. Director of Sliver, Super. Yeah. James Gunn is writer of Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. you got to give him that. <laughs> we're Matthew Lillard um, fans um, on the podcast. That, that, if, you, if you want to, uh, and if you enjoy Second Opinion, you might want to subscribe to my other podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, what's the name of it? Uh, Click Danny. Click Danny. Laughing with Lillard. Laughing with Lillard. Uh, <laughs> wasn't great. But if you can think of a set, another one in a quick succession. No, I can't. Nah. <laughs> laughing with Lillard. <laughs> laughing with Lillard it is. Or you Laughing at Lillard. subscribe to that. Uh, if you are listening, if you go on to Facebook at Laughing with Lillard, tweet yes. <laughs> or post yes. Um... Uh, yes, yeah, so you got like this property no one knows or even cares about this um, director who's um, this director who is like kind of he's off the wall. That's yeah. how he's like just such an interesting director, and um, you try to go for this irreverent tone, and like the trailers come out and it's like it's 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 throwing like um, bizarre like not bizarre like eighties pop music at you, yeah. and like I was like oh my god this is gonna be the blockbuster that just is weird. It's going to be off, off the rails. Like it's going to, it's going to be bizarre and it's going to be strange. And Peter Serafonowicz is in it. <laughs> yeah. With uh, um, Chris Pratt. Like there was a time. Even at the time, yeah, he was. Kinda... I, like when he was cast, it was like Chris Pratt, mm. the, the guy from Parks and Rec. I remember, like, I didn't know what Parks and Rec was. I even remember when I went to see the Lego movie, I had no fucking idea. Who Chris that was Pratt the same was. year as Guardians, yeah. I believe. Um, Cause like, I remember it being cast and I was like, Chris Pratt, Pratt, that's a, like it was obviously for a property that I didn't know anything about. So when Chris Pratt was cast, it was like, oh, I like Chris Pratt. Um, and then he got hot. Aye, that <laughs> was a big international star, like in Jurassic World, and like yeah. you almost can't imagine a world without Chris Pratt. Yeah, and he does his um, 
Instagram blogs now where he has his snack of the day. <laughs> Chris Chris Pratt is almost uh, considering um, quite um, fitting for passengers recently. Chris Pratt's almost the the male Jennifer Lawrence, that person who was like, yeah. it's so relatable. Everybody loves you him. Just, you just you like you feel like you could pat him on the back and go, hey, Chris Pratt, you're just like me. Yeah. Um, kind of like Jennifer Lawrence when she was at the very very peak um, of like her popularity. Um, so they got they got this main actor who was like meant like unknown and at the time was um not what you would call hollywood yeah like star mm-hmm. kind of like not just in his career but even just the way he was like um the fact he was like slightly overweight and something well we say hollywood slightly overweight is completely <laughs> different to what anyone else could consider over the way um definitely thinner than me um but like he was he's, he was the he was the like a a strange pick and you had all these strange elements coming together with a talking raccoon and a and a living tree living moving tree and then I saw the film Guardians of the Galaxy and I was just like that was quite generic actually quite formulaic not bad well structured but like it wasn't anything what I thought it would be Mm. like it's bad to think of a film as what you thought it would be but I also like there was so much potential of making that weird, that weird, strange, off-the-wall genre stuff. Trying stuff. I mean, we wouldn't have had Star Wars if we didn't have, like, taken all those risks yeah. and stuff. Um, and it was, I was a bit disappointed by the risks that Guardians of the Galaxy didn't take. Mm-hmm. So, when I came out of it, I was like, it's not what it should have been. It was a good film, but I feel like you could have really made it just the most one of the most interesting blockbusters of that year in mm. terms of all the strangeness that you could have done with a property that no one was expecting anything from um so i was i came out quite i came out disappointed but um the sequel has come out this year and that's true <laughs> i love it you love it i love it that's a bold statement i re- i think it's better than the first one Damn. And that is a that is that's quite a bold statement. A lot of people have. Uh, I feel like the general consensus is, it's good, but it's not as good as the first one. Mm. I disagree. I've definitely. I think I've come around more. Not because I, I love it. I love it as well. I really really enjoyed it. Um, at first I thought, but you know what? We're gonna get into all this. Uh, but I've I've now seen it three times. Have you? Yes. Because, oh, a cheeky third time. Because there's nothing else out in the cinema right now, Danny. <laughs> What do you want to go see? You want to go see Orlando Bloom is a spy, the movie? Or do you want to go see Jamie Foxx as an undercover cop, the movie? Or do you want to go see Alien, colon, it's Prometheus again? No. no I want to go no. see Guardians again because it's pretty Aye. bloody good. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, you know what? If we, if you want to hear like our kind of broken down opinions of the first one, go watch the first one. Go listen to the first episode, sorry. Just now we're going to kind of, I think, just talk about the second film and how we think certain elements of it work better <clears throat> or perhaps don't work better than the first one. So Danny, what I think you should do is give people the, the, the summary, the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy. The plot. Vol 2. Vol 2. <laughs> um, Volcano 2. That's Vol- what that's a... Vol- Guardians of Vol- the Galaxy 2. Chris Volcano Pratt 2. and Pierce Brosnan star in Volcano 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sequel to the Tommy Lee Jones film. No, it's a sequel to what was Dan? What was the one where Pierce Brosnan was on a volcano? That was Dante's Peak, Peak yeah. which is very similar to Volcano, 
But Volcano. What was Volcano? Volcano was the Tommy Lee Jones one. Well, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Volcano? Never heard we of should that. watch Volcano. Should... At some point. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's scratch our plans for after this. Let's watch Volcano. It's, it's uh, right. So the plot is. Uh, the, is this the plot of Volcano or is this the Los Angeles? We have went on too many tangents already. Oh, and, and Get back on track. It's going to explode. <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones has to save Los Angeles. Again. <laughs> He's always saving everyone. Um, the plot of Guidance of the Galaxies 2 is actually kind of a bit slightly harder one to describe. Um, the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is the Guardians of the Galaxy are going about being the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. doing some mercenary missions, being a being a rough deck rogue family and uh, doing doing their thing. They're doing their thing as we know them to be doing their thing from the last film. Yep. And um, then they end up meeting Kurt Russell, who claims to be... Well, now hang on. You jumped a bit. Because they the movie opens up, they... Doing their thing. They're doing their thing. Aye. But then they offend... They've been hired to protect... The, these batteries from this alien they do it the people that hired them they're like good job but then Rocket steals the batteries so those people come after them I wasn't sure if that was too specific a detail is that too specific a detail I don't know I feel like that's what kicks off the plot because the the gold people are coming after them hmm but then most of the plot isn't about the gold people mm. like they do come back but it's not about them okay they meet Kurt Russell right they meet Kurt Russell who's like Hey Peter Quill, I'm I'm your dad, man. I'm like your dad. Your your dad is me right here. And then they go to his um, his planet, which he is. Uh, spoilers. Like I guess I would spoil it. We'll Ego spoil the it. living planet. Ego the living planet. Um, and then we then we have this uh this dual plot going on where um Rocket and Groot and. Yondu. Yondu, I was trying to remember his name. They get involved in a mutiny with the Ravengers. Um, and uh, Peter Quill is chilling out with his dad. And Gamora's like, oh, um, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about this. Oh my God, I have a sister. and We're not, we're not getting on too well. And uh, basically, they all love each other. Turns out Peter Quill's dad's a bit of an asshole. Um, he kills his dad. Uh, You're the just alien. The plot. You're just given the plot. Uh, <laughs> um, it is a hard one to describe, though. It, it's quite sporadic. It's very sporadic. It's like there's a lot going on, but like it's made up of quite a few mm. minor things. If I'm like, like compared to the first one, it's a lot less structured, mm. but not necessarily in a bad way. The, like, plot, the plot is almost secondary to the character development. Mm. Like, the character focused... The story is very character focused. I always felt that about the first one, though. Actually, well. I don't think it is as. Because I think the first one is very much about... Hmm. I always thought the first one... The core of that was bringing those five <clears throat> different people together. And developing them enough where you understood everybody's plight. And where they all come from, and then they all get together at the end, and they beat Blue Man. The blue, they beat the Blue Man group. They up. beat the Blue Man group. <clears throat> um, this one I think is more taking those characters and being able to run with the the crazy the crazy adventure continues, but they're all off doing their own wacky wacky things. And hmm. yeah, it's. But I think the even like the first one isn't. 
like it has got character focus but they at the end of the day the first one has a story and the story is we need to get this MacGuffin and keep it away from the bad guy mm. Like, that's the story. Whereas the second one doesn't have that same... Yeah. It has a plot, but you don't really know about the, the plot, plot is the more, third act. Yeah, the plot like is the more... Like the bad guy's plot. Yeah, it's less MacGuffin-y. In fact, there isn't really a MacGuffin in this No, one. there isn't. The it's m- all... Aye. <clears throat> it is all... I mean, the main villain in the film is built up over the course of the film as opposed to just... The movie opens and we see a bad man do something bad. Hmm. So we know he's the bad man. I think, yeah, that definitely works a lot better. <laughs> he, yeah, like, for Marvel's um, inability to create compelling bad guys, and then you watch this one, you're like, this one yeah, is one of the best Marvel bad guys. I think guys. even even Taserface, uh, you really, like, the you see him, when you see him firing people out into space, like, this is dark shit for... What effectively is a like a kids movie, you know what I mean? Well, it's like a film that can be geared towards younger audiences. Like they are really making sure that we hate these people. And even though Taserface is played up as a joke quite a lot, he is quite terrifying just based on how they introduce him hmm. in the op- in well halfway through the film. Like. Yeah, because um, Ego's the main bad guy. Mm. Then you have Taserface, but then you also have the golden people. The golden people as well, yeah. Because they're quite. They're also like. That's the thing. There's, it's so weird talking about it. It sounds like a mess. It sounds like there's so much to think about, but it's really just not. At all. No, everything is so well stitched together, and all three plots kind of run alongside each other so perfectly. That even though we're sitting talking, we're like, remember, there's this, and then remember, there's the gold woman. Like when you're watching the film doesn't feel like that at all no you always are very aware of where everybody is and what's going on and it's, it's pretty do you, do you think maybe that comes down to like that it seems like james gunn has been allowed to kind of run the show on this one if i i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure um i read somewhere that the first one isn't his script he adapted mm, it yeah like it's not like he didn't write the original script mm. Whereas this one he wrote from scratch, mm-hmm. and I feel like you can tell that it's mm-hmm. more James Gunn, which is what, like as I say, it's what I wanted from the first one to be a James Gunn film. Yeah. This one feels like a James Gunn film. It feels like he's definitely they've just let him do what he needs to do. Aye, and I think the fact as well that it's not t- it's really not tied to anything else. Like the first one, as as distant as it is, you've still got the fucking companion cubes or whatever it is they're dealing with the Infinity Stones, <laughs> and um. Things like that. It's still kind of tied to that universe and they've got stuff that they need to set up. But this one, there's none of that. It's literally just... This could be completely independent from... Like, if this wasn't under the Marvel umbrella, this could just be its own film. Like, this is just the Guardians of the Galaxy movies as opposed to this is a movie in the Marvel franchise. Yeah. Yeah, like, it. it's uh, going off in its own different, like, direction. So, so far away from everything else. Um, which is so much of its own advantage because it means it could just do whatever it likes because mm. it's not like it's got to live in a society where it's kind of semi-run by S.H.I.E.L.D. or something no it doesn't none yeah. of that fucking stuff matters <clears throat> we're up in space we're in a society it's not even anywhere near Asgard other space yeah. <laughs> I, like other space like it's not even anywhere near that it doesn't have to worry about 4 being a thing yeah. it just is like here we're out, we're out here 
let's have some fun here. Let's do this place. This place is our world. It's James Gunn's world. Yeah. And it's within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's his own world that he's created. I brought my mum to see it one of the times I went. And I think that is like, my mum doesn't watch all the Marvel films and things, but she's seen Guardians 1 and now she's seen Guardians 2. Like, but there's nothing in it that is confusing Aye. for my mum who is not interested in Marvel at all. There's nothing that happens that she's like, well, what, what the fuck? What's that about? Like, what are they talking about? Who's, who's this guy? It's none of that. It's very much, it's just its own thing. It's like probably one of the only <clears throat> like post-Avengers um, um, Marvel films that don't utter the word Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta really... They really... I think it works better that they've just <clears throat> been like, let's just make a film with this one. Aye. Let's not fucking tie it into anything. Like, let's... Yeah, let's just make a film. Like... This one isn't even building up um, the Infinity War. Because... The first one, even the first Guardians of the Galaxy was building up Infinity yeah, War by Than- being... Thanos. Thanos was in it. Sitting in his big chair. And also, it was about one of the Infinity Stones. So, like, mm. it was about that. So, it was connected to the bigger plot. But, like, this one isn't. This one's got nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Like, this one's so in its, like, it's going on its own direction. Mm-hmm. Um, which really is, is probably one of its biggest advantages. Yeah, in terms of comp- like compared to the first one, at fir- when I first saw it, I thought the first one had a better structure because it felt more like everything's more compact, and so everything builds to a certain thing, and then the thing happens, and all the kind of emo- the you know the emotional core is all involved in. They need to keep this stone away from Ronan. So I thought that the structure worked better in the first one, but like now having seen the second one a couple of times, I feel like this one's, even though the structure has three, like what I was just saying, even though it has three different plot lines going on, he handles them all so well that that almost has to be praised more than making one linear story. He manages to make three linear, hmm. linear stories all make sense and never feel confusing or messy. For which, obviously films have done that in the past, but for a film set inside a big cinematic universe where they're always trying to set shit up, it's pretty impressive. No, very much so. He's um, he balances it all so well. Yeah, and it's so much a uh, like it's kind of the best way to say it is it's so much of a testament to uh, James Gunn's talent. Mm. This one, as whereas the first one isn't quite as much because it's mm. quite straightforward <clears throat> and quite it's structured like a typical summer blockbuster mm. film. As this one's like. This one, like, is not afraid to dedicate a story to Peter Quill playing, playing catch with his <laughs> dad. Yeah. Like, here, Ego the Living <clears throat> Planet is not really a villain until the end. But they still dedicate a huge amount of the story to that. And um, they've got all these characters going on, and they've all got their own subplots happening that balance each other really, really well. Not only have you got Peter Quill and his dad, which is, like such a big thing he has to like uh, a big relationship with the whole film mm. but you've got Rocket Raccoon and Yondu and like you've got um, Gamora and Karen Gillian mm. and you've got uh, even fucking Drax and Mantis yeah. is a thing a relation like a relationship that an intera- like series of interaction yeah. that happened and then throughout this you've got Groot weaving in and out um, mm. interacting with him on that um, more uh, maternal paternal instinct Um that's uh, with like the three plots balanced out where uh, they cut to civilization full of golden people and mm. 
Yondu on a robot prostitute planet where he meets Stallone. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of this shit is happening, but you—it's so perfectly balanced. Yeah. And it's also—it's also weird and strange and off the wall, and the humor is mental at times. The humor—they really hit hard on jokes in this one. It is a—it is all about the jokes, even. A little bit, I thought, occasionally it took away from some of the kind of more emotional moments because they're always, they're always, there's always a joke. Hmm. It, they're, they're, it's, there's not really, any, apart from the kind of very, very end, even then, there's not really any emotional moment that kind of plays out without a joke. Let me talk you through a couple. Like, so, I mean, Neb- uh, Nebula. She has the big speech about Thanos making her and Gamora fight. And it's a big speech. And you really do feel like the pain in her voice. And then she's like... And then the anger when she's like, I'm going to go fucking get him and give him some... Make him feel some semblance of the pain that I felt. And then it's... That's followed up by Sean Gunn's character being like, Oh, I was thinking maybe you were going to get like a nice hat. And it's like, okay. (laughs) And then... You know, there's the the kind of Fast and Furious line when Drax is like, "We're not friends. We're you know, we're family. We wouldn't leave anyone behind, except maybe her." And like that is funny, but again, it's like every emotional beat is followed up by a joke. That you... sometimes got a little bit. My it feels like the film doesn't like. It feels like there are times when the film doesn't want you to be able to feel mm. it's keeping, anything it's other keeping than like you, we're having a romp we're having a there's a big big romp it's keeping you an arm's length away mm. from sincerity yeah which is a shame a little bit that's a good way of putting it I think yeah it's not letting you be in fully sincere um, which I didn't think the first one was the, the had that much I didn't like, have that I don't think it was had that much straight up humour well like it's it's got like the straight up humour but even then I feel like some of the sincere moments still are like kind of at arm's length but I would say like one of the most sincere moments in the first film is when they kind of when they decide when they decide they're going to join together and they're going to fight Ronan on the ship before the final battle that the last part of that kind of plays out without a joke but there's there like they no all joke. stand up and they all unite Rocket is like oh we're a bu- bunch of jackasses standing in a circle but I feel like that's more in keeping with his character like that is the kind of thing he would say but I feel like there's a lot more sincerity in that scene by just letting it play out as opposed to hmm. everything's got a joke. Because I think, honestly, I think the one of the best moments in this film is in the is at the very end when Rocket is like, whoa, he seems like he's talking about Yondu. He's like, oh, you know, his friends came back for him even when they, you know, even when he screwed them over and he stole batteries he didn't need. And you're like, oh, he's talking, like, okay, he's talking about himself. And there's no joke to that. They just that moment happens, and I feel like that works really well because of that. Because even when mm. Dra- and then, but because the, then in the next moment, Drax tells Mantis that she's beautiful. And you're like, oh, that's nice. That's some growth. Oh, on the inside. Oh no, it's like, oh, never mind. It was a joke. Ah, oh, we're back. We're back. We're back in the. We're back in the romp. Like, Do you think the humor um, distances you from other things as well? Some of the action is distanced by the humor, not in necessarily mm. a bad way. But, like, obviously the big monster opening scene is distance from the joke that, like, we follow Groot around in the foreground. Yeah, I think, I don't think, but I think that that's more you've got to make the big grand opening. 
and you've got to one up the dance sequence and not that you've got to but you, you know you want to one up the dance sequence from the first movie so you you do i think i don't necessarily think you need you, you don't need that kind of emotional weight in a fight that's open and but it's not uh, i'm like not talking about emotional weight um um like changing it from the humor uh distant itself from um more traditional beats of a blockbuster like action like the um action filled uh, opening sequence because you've obviously got your prologue with kurt russell being on earth being young kurt russell uh, which is impressive like on a technical level i think that's the best de-aging i've, I've heard its makeup really well even that then that's imp- it's impressive because when you watch fucking ant-man and uh, uh michael douglas in the opening scene of ant-man it was awful really bad <laughs> i can't remember that one that remember one? jeff bridges and tron legacy <sighs> which kind of worked because he's in a video game but still um but like the the traditional is your um your traditional big action opening sequence and that, that's what the traditional blockbuster films do whereas guardians of the galaxy takes you away from that focus of the mm. big action sequence to the comedy of Groot in the foreground mm. dancing dancing to the music and it also does that in the um, climax, where you're you're building up to this big climatic battle between uh, a planet and the Guardians of the Galaxy, including the Golden Army coming down. Yeah. And then you take a whole scene, like, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. This is more like them, again, using humor to distance themselves from, like, a, a more traditional aspect of a summer blockbuster. But, like, they take a whole scene to talk about Rocket looking for tape. Yeah. And talking to Groot. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious yeah. scene. But, like, that's that same using sense of humor to distance yourself at arm's length from, like, what would um, be more typically used to show more action. Because mm. that's the more thing, like, that would be the more typical thing. Like, oh, this is an expensive um, film. This is, like, a family blockbuster Marvel film. This is a superhero film mm. in, like... Um, the like in in this like superhero age and like what 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 the producer's gonna want what what the audience is gonna want what the yeah. test focus groups were gonna say is that we want action action scene this big action scene and they take distance away from it and go well we've got this joke of this uh, where the action's happening in the background and it's almost like the same idea like like uh, like a similar technique to how they take the emotional development and put it like like um, the hum let the humor gloss it over if that makes mm. sense like it's almost almost in a way where it's slightly afraid to commit to being sincere mm. or action-packed yeah that's definitely but again i don't think i don't know i don't think it's ever a detriment to the film no so, i don't think it's because yeah. I mean, no not that i was saying you were but like yeah i don't i don't as much as i'm like oh everything's prefaced by a joke again i feel like when you're watching it and when you're in it it generally does feel natural. Mm. And I think a lot of it, most of it does work. I think, I would say 90% of the jokes land. I couldn't really point out like a specific one that doesn't, but Aye. definitely most of them work. Um, I feel that there is one emotional beat that James Gunn does let play out. And it's quite a hard-hitting one. It's a bizarre one. Mm. It's kind of a strange one, and one that's quite dark but it's when uh, ego the living planet reveals that he killed peter quill's mum damn that was another like i can't believe they're going here i that was i like that as well because that's like a darkness that you know another blockbuster wouldn't risk yeah but like 
Peter Quill's reaction to that is an emotional beat. It's bro- yeah. And that isn't undermined with a joke. Mm. Like, it leads to a climax that has jokes, but like that specific moment... No, you're right, yeah. ...is uh, let to play out. I think because a brain tumour in your mum is not an easy definitely one to come up with. Yeah, a, qu- a little quip moment, yeah. That's uh, no, that's true. And they, that's such a brilliant moment as well, I think. Regardless of how close he starts to feel to Kurt Russell, the second he finds out there's no there's no conflict within him at all. It's just like straight for the guns, take him out. Uh, I thought that was pretty brilliant. That is cool. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool moment as well. Do you want to talk about the characters? Characters. I I um with Guardians of the Galaxy, the fir- um the vo- volcano one. Tommy um, Lee Jones, <laughs> vo- Guardians of the Volcanoes. Tommy Lee Jones is in this one. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> if, it would be weird if he was playing the character from Captain America. Mm. Out of all of the characters from the that side of the MCU to come back, protecting us from a volcano. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. <laughs> um, the I really like the I really liked Groot and Rocket from the start. Mm. The first one, they were the ones that did it right. We talked about it in the Guardians of the Galaxy episode, and especially Rocket. His what his um backstory was the only yeah. one I really found compelling yeah. um, whereas the characters of um, Star-Lord um, Gamora and Drax I just thought were quite yeah. generic and plain and flat I think this film did like so much more with those characters mm. to make them so much more interesting in the first one I felt like the story of the mother was kind of put to the side mm-hmm. for too long See, I've always disagreed with you on that. Yeah, I, I understand that um, uh, you disagree with that one, but I just feel like it's something that's at the beginning and doesn't really come up or anything. It's kind of a weird bookend of the film. Whereas this one is the, obviously this one. Yeah, the, the first one is supposed to be about his mother. The second one's supposed to be about his father. And obviously, it's inherently throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, that sort of his sort of outlook on his like paternal figure, and that being looking for his biological father. And then realizing he um, had something more mm-hmm. um, of what he was looking for in a more what's the word spiritual father, more sentimental surrogate maybe father. I uh, surrogate like a more sentimental uh, father yeah. relationship. And um, that arc is like thousand times works a thousand times better. It you almost feels like it's cheating because it's part of the plot. But that's kind of the problem I had with the first one is that the mother's not really part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Which is why it feels bookended and feels weird and feels like it's like it's uh, tr- like the the it's slotted into the film rather than part of the film. Mm-hmm. So when uh, Star Lord's more um, uh, trying to find his paternal figure, it's a better example of just like how the how that sort of um, emotional side of Star Lord is more interesting, mm. more interesting because it's part of everything. Um, so that like I think that makes especially like uh, even though it's kind of it's kind of the what we were talking about was so sincerity. Um, sincerity is blocked by jokes. I feel like James Gunn can nail it both in like certain speeches, like the David Hasselhoff speech at yeah. the end, where he's using the humor to be sentimental. Mm. Where he's saying, like, throughout the whole film, um, we hear the story that um, Star Lord used to tell people David Hasselhoff mm-hmm. was his father. Um, because he was embarrassed like to try and explain why he didn't have one and it's a joke throughout the film but then at the end he has this nice speech that 
like combine as I say combine sincerity yeah. and humor where he's like Yondu was my Hasselhoff mm-hmm. like that's who like what I was looking for and I think that was a, just a more interesting thing for Star-Lord to go for and I think that just worked better mm-hmm. than the <clears throat> plot of the first one yeah I think um we both took a swig at the same time. <laughs> one that's one that's uh, that uh, it kind of struck me was um, now that Drax is not fueled by revenge, they really amp up like the the humorous side of his character as opposed to the kind of how he was quite angry in the first one. Even the, in the first one, he has jokes and things like that. But this one, he <clears throat> but it felt more like we were laughing at him. This one feels there's a bit more laughing with him. Which I liked a lot. It's kind of nice to see that character not just angry a lot at people, um, which I thought was good. I think um, I thought Nebula was probably I... my favorite in terms of character development. I thought they made her inc- from just being the villain in the first one to an incredibly sympathetic character. That you, you like. Obviously, you don't want her to kill Gamora, but you're like, I can 100% see where she's coming from this time. It's 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 interesting from Gamora, I thought from the first one, felt like a flat character again. And it felt like they, even in this one, in terms of like her other relationships, like she's what almost going to be, by default, one of two things when you're writing these sorts of films. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're like a typical Hollywood um, writer who writes these sort of summer blockbusters. She's going to be the love interest for Star-Lord. Yeah. Which you're like, well, do we really want to go down there? Because that's really obvious. And then she's going to be the maternal figure of the group. Yeah. Which is like, does it have to be mm-hmm. the maternal figure of the group? Just because she's the woman of the group? Mm-hmm. Like, does that have to be? But like, they find in Guardians of the Galaxy Volcano 2, they find the the a new relationship that makes Gamora interesting. Yeah. So that she doesn't have to go through the cliche maternal figure or just the love interest. It's actually more. There's this sister relationship she has to de- um she's mm-hmm. um has to deal with that factors into the plot and stuff. And it's relevant because Nebula is obviously a huge factor in like the uh, the mutiny of the Ravagers and stuff. So she's a huge part of the plot, and also the relationship is dependent on how much she uh, like the relationship between her and her sister is what helps her influence the plot. Um, so I was a big fan of that. It yeah. made Gamora more interesting. It yeah. made Nebula more interesting. It, like it was, it's not something you see as often in Hollywood blockbusters. It's quite a sad, simple relationship that, like, in a sad state of affairs, that a simple relationship like sisterhood just isn't portrayed mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious why, because these both things are supposed to be targeted at male audiences more and mm-hmm. males can't relate to sisterhood what <laughs> what we have too many penises i don't understand <laughs> this sisterhood we've got tree penises and raccoon penises in here. <laughs> so it's such a shame that like all it took like it's like in the broader picture it's such a shame that all it took is like just a portrayal of sisterhood but in this film it makes it so much more interesting mm-hmm. gamora has something <clears throat> else and like star lord and gamora's romance is like is sort of suggested. I, I like the way it was portrayed. I, I, yeah. The unspoken um, thing between us, though, the only thing about it that kind of made me laugh more than I think it was intended is it made me think of the implication from It's Always yeah, Sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, obviously, you're going to be with me, Gamora, because of the implication. Because we're on the same <laughs> ship, and you know what they're better. <laughs> they are on a ship! I don't even think about that. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that definitely, that led to one of my favourite lines in the film, when... 
he's like, oh, this relationship, you know, we get zero ratings. And she turns around and is like, I don't know what Cheers is. <laughs> <laughs> that is good, actually. Um, what about uh, the, 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 the new boys and girls? We got, what, how many? Two, three? We've talked about Ego. Ah, We've Ego. talked about a little bit about Taserface. But more like the good, like, we got, what is it? Mantis. Mantis. And... <laughs> That's it, <laughs> isn't it. Is it Mantis? Is that the only one? Yeah, Mantis is the only new one. Because, like, Nebula and Yondu are already established characters. Yeah. Um, Mantis you, is alright. I liked Mantis quite a bit. I, she's definitely not the strongest character or anything, but I did, I did like, I liked the the kind of innocence around. Ah, her. she brings a more uh, naivety and yeah. like a softness to the. I get. I, I do wonder if she have. makes Drax seem less ridiculous, like in comparison, because she's almost she's more kind of innocent and gullible than he is in this. Oh, one. Okay. Um, but I thought I like the way she talks as well. Yeah, she puts a lot of emphasis on certain words, and it was just. It was kind of an interesting trait I thought she brought to it, which I quite liked. Um, my favourite character in the film, 100%, is Sean Gunn's character. I can't remember his <laughs> name. I think he's brilliant. And Aye. I hope, what I'm praying and hoping is that the studios will be, like, is that he will legit take over the Yondu role. Because yeah. he's, he's not a big name. But I think Guardians has got enough of a star-studded cast that they can afford to put someone who's relatively unknown in as one of the main characters. I think that would be great. Because I think he is really, really funny. See, I think he'll always be a secondary character. Mm. I don't think they'd do that. I think maybe just make him... I think he'll big, always... Yeah. I think he'll be always on be the there. ship yeah but never involved in the action. Yeah, you're not going to get a maybe pop as... Funko figure of Sean uh, like yeah. Maybe more of a almost like a a butler not like mm. literally a butler but like more of a an employee than an actual full on mm. guardian yeah, of the yeah, galaxy yeah. um I, cause I, yeah I don't know maybe maybe but It'd I just cool like him, he works as a good I don't want to just think him down to comic relief but he does kind of work as a solid comic relief mm. character even though the whole film is funny but I just thought yeah I just think I just love his character I really loved him in the first one as well I just think he's funny. I like the way he talks. Just that kind of hillbilly southern dialect that he's got going on. Like, I just uh, gotta say it this one time, Captain. <laughs> like, um, no, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good addition. And I think he'd make a good addition, yeah, because it, unlike the rest of them, he's not he's not like a traditionally Hollywood attractive looking yeah. guy or anything. And I just I just think he'd be a really good asset to the third to the third film. And I really do hope that they kind of do something with him. And that, like I said, they look at it and they're like, you know what, we've got a star-studded cast. We can afford to put this kind of unknown, not traditionally good-looking guy as a more central character. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think it'd be great. I, I, I thought um, it was awesome. I wanted to say that, um, it's going backtracking a bit, but I wanted to say that, like, Drax's humour, you said uh, laughing at him, like this one, you're laughing with him rather than at him. I'm glad that they moved away from the... Uh, well, I thought the joke that wore out very quickly in the first one, the Drax takes everything Drax literally takes joke. Yeah. And like, like, it's not only is it called um, development for him to like start making jokes and <laughs> laughing, and uh, he's incredible. Some of his lines are incredibly yeah. funny, um, but like, 
it's just uh, moving away from that, which I never thought was a joke that worked in the mm. um, first place. It was maybe too, almost like, again, it all goes from this weird and unorthodox, what I wanted Guardians Galaxy to be. Like, that's more of a, a typical joke yeah. you might get. <clears throat> like, it's a, it's obvious, it's almost, sounds weird to say, almost obviously funny in that sense. It's like, oh, he takes everything literally, and he doesn't, that phrase has been said, but he doesn't understand it, because remember, he takes everything mm-hmm. literally. Whereas this one, he's, like so sporadically funny you'll come out of somewhere with a fucking killer of a line that you're like that's amazingly funny um drax they had so much more with him in this one that i I absolutely like he's went up there as like one of the characters i was like "Eh, just an uh, just a generic angry wants revenge but it takes everything literally so he's really really serious to one of my favorite guardians he plays off everybody a lot better in this film yeah that's why that's yeah it's like i said rather than being the butt of the joke he's Mm. in on a lot of the jokes this time around i know Um, i I also like that again as well now that he's stepped away from the whole revenge thing you do get some kind of quite sentimental moments with him where he's talking about his family because he's Mm. not just blinded by hate and rage he's got he's got some sentimentality in him i really like that i really appreciate it i like that as well yeah. What about um, Rocket and Yondu? They they kind of. I really like the dynamic. I like the dynamic between, between them. them. As yeah. I say, the thing about Rocket though is that he was he's always been a well written character. Yeah. Like I've even in the first one he was a well written character, mm. but like his um arc in this one, and the fact it reflects Yondu. Like I was kind of like when he steals the batteries, I felt like the arc was kind of obviously gonna go. He like almost has to do bad things in order to like say test the people around him but like i didn't expect it to then come back to him like relating to yondu in that way and it's such an interesting way to keep yondu in like so like bouncing off the rest of the guardians as well um that he was like it was yeah it was the relationship between them was really really cool Mm. and interesting it was really i think they get the best dynamic out of anyone in the film or it was the one i enjoyed watching the most just because watching the two of them realize that they are even though they both kind of hate each other, hmm. slowly realizing over the course of the film that they are exactly the same person. Um, I really liked that. I thought that was probably the most interesting one. Aye. And Baby Groot. And Baby Groot's there. And he's just there. The, 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 he's the, One of my favorite lines is the when Drax is jumping on the ship. He's like, get out of the way, smaller, dumber Groot. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's amazing. Baby Groot's just... I like that he's just always there. Aye. He's just always kind of... and Because I remember before we saw it, my friend Lewis spoke about how he had a lot of worries that he was like watching a lot of the trailers and the promotional material it's all very baby Groot heavy because mm. everybody loves cute stuff baby Groot's pretty cute is he going to be the thing everyone's talking about and he's really not no. he is kind of in the background for a lot of it he's just there he's just he's just there and he's just doing, doing his, his thing, thing. And, yeah it's, it's it's pretty solid he's, he's not a huge impact on the plot but he's almost there just a uh... I don't know. It's because he's not in the way of the plot. No, but he's not. He doesn't impact the plot. No. I mean, I guess like the ending, he's the one who has to destroy yeah. Ego. But like, did you feel like there was a presence missing, not having regular group? I feel like th- there was a presence missing. It was very easily filled with baby group. Yeah. Like it was just a different dynamic, and maybe that would have even worked better. Maybe group. Um in the second film would have maybe gone a bit more flat i couldn't yeah. tell you for sure but yeah. what more are you going to do with a big talking tree that says i am groot all the time yeah like what more can you do with that so maybe it was good that they evolved the character mm-hmm. into something else for this one so maybe by the time avengers or guardians of galaxy 3 comes around and he is fully grown yeah 
you'll be you'd have had enough time between them that you're excited to see Groot again mm-hmm. as like the how you remember him from the first one. What else to talk about? So like the general aesthetic kind of of the film, he talked about how you liked that it's a lot weirder. Is a lot. Any weirder. kind of particular things that you want to talk about there? A both a yes and a no mm-hmm. to that is ego the living planet himself yeah obviously i talked about this a lot i want them to, i want them this to be, i 100 agree with you on this the, point, the property yeah. i want it to be so i want to take it to be weird and weird strange places do something take a thing that's really weird from the because the comic books like comic books in general are strange nonsense things yeah. they're absolutely ridiculous they're what happens when soap operas like eastenders have superpowers yeah. they become ridiculous yeah. and strange and murders every week and like um but like so they go go in strange places and one of them is ego the living planet having a face mm. and this one you get to see the face you do see the face which is cool yeah it's not but also enough. it doesn't, it doesn't do feel anything. like enough yeah it doesn't do anything we know what he what that can be hmm he could be a talking face even if it was for a short moment they could have battled a planet with a talking yeah. face and that like, was definitely the moment where i was like okay they've they've they have pushed this film they're still not quite willing to go that extra mile like they're still trying to kind of rein it in a bit yeah and it's such a shame because like it's always been the the missed out stuff like especially giant cosmic creatures because like giant cosmic creatures of marvel have been like portrayed in giant cosmic creatures was my favorite 90s tv show (laughs) (laughs) giant cosmic creatures it does it It sounds like something that was come straight after but ugly martians yeah um because like the second Fantastic Four film in the second reboot, the no the first reboot of mm. it, the second one was supposed to have Galactus, who's iconically, if you see a comic book image of him, is this big yeah. purple man, and they made him a gas cow, and you're like, how much more interesting would it have been if he was a big purple man, and it would have made that film so much more interesting. And then you look at X Men Apocalypse, who. Apocalypse is supposed to be a character who's also a giant yeah. cosmic creature, and like, how much more interesting would Everybody that just, fucking everyone film just been? reining in the giant cosmic creatures? I and like, it makes and those two films, those two films there, Fantastic Four, Two, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and X Men Apocalypse, they would have been such more interesting films if they'd gone for it. Yeah, because as they both are quite boring films. Mm. Like, the, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer is probably the better fantastic film out of all mm-hmm. of them. Not saying much. But it's the better fantastic film. It's not saying film. much, but it's definitely the best one. Um, out of all of them. Um, but, like, it would have been so much more interesting if that had just... Like, if a big man had come to try and eat the a planet. big man. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and this one, it, it it's so close. It's so close it's to so doing close. that. And you want it. You just want, like... No one's gonna be against you. We've got like a talking raccoon here, a talk like a baby tree. Like it's all this space stuff. It's it's such a colourful, ridiculous film. Why not just go for it? Go straight out and just be like, and here's a talking yeah. planet in space. And you're like, why not? It would have been so cool. Because I remember on the build up to it when he was like, you don't see him as a planet, and I was like, he's. This seems like you know. A really missed opportunity. Seems like a miss. No, when he was saying that, I was like, this feels like a... They're, you know, they're like, oh no, he's not in it. But like, he might be in it. Aye. We might see it. And then when you didn't, I was like, ah, oh, man, just... I understand having most of the film as Ego the Living Planet being Kurt Russell as a, a, like, a like an avatar of him, like a human version of him. 
I feel like they could have pushed it a little bit more I because agree. that was the bit that I like the aesthetic that I really really liked. I really I like it looked strange when you actually saw the face. You were like, it looks mental. Yeah. Um, because that was one of the cooler bits of Doctor Strange is when he goes into that weird dimension and has to with go the off giant, that giant with the giant giant Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. in it. Um, he has to face off that. That was one of the most interesting bits. Why not? Like these comic books are supposed to be like so they can be so cosmic and stuff. Why not just go for it? Yeah, you've had the budget. You have the budget. Go for That's it. That's it. Yeah, um, it's it's a shame. But that being said, there's that, so yeah. much out there. Everything else in the film is kind of. I like that when they they did that um, the joke of like how many space jumps they did at once. And then their face started blowing, bloated oh, up. And so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a strange... But I loved it. It was like, oh, yeah. so, it was so funny and it was so inventive. And, and the colours in this are all... The colours are almost ridiculous. Colours pop like... like they, well, apparently they, they used a new camera on this one. They used some they? kind of new... Red, black, seven, something. I can't remember. <laughs> they used a new camera on it. And uh, goddamn, those colours pop. The, the one that stood out to me a lot was... Uh, when Gamora just goes to sit by herself for a while, hmm. that shot. Oh, that's a lovely shot. Yeah, and even just the like the shot composition in this film is way better than the first one, and I think maybe better than like any of the Marvel films. Yeah, like again, it feels like they're actually telling story with the way the camera is framed and the way the camera. Yeah, like with, mm. with framing and things like that, which other Marvel films don't really, they kind of get most things across with just the, the dialogue. Uh, yeah, with the script. Whereas James Gunn, it seems like in this one, he really does try to convey some things through shot composition. And I like that a lot. Um, yeah, it just... it. I think, I think this one, it just feels like a film that's actually been directed by someone. And not us, just... James Gunn is one of the few like obviously we've had a couple but he's one of the few like directors who almost have their own style Mm. apart from that it's really hard to name ones that do the only ones that other ones that do are like Shane Black has his own style but that was not a liked one at all yeah um, but that was because of fucking comic book nerds who were like it's not the real that's that's a podcast that's a podcast podcast. that's another time Mm. Um, but like Marvel obviously they they're not they don't push for that like in the big famous example Edgar Wright being um, yeah. leaving Ant-Man because there are conflicts with the studio it's they interesting because Ant-Man that. Ant-Man you watch Ant-Man and like I do really like Ant-Man I think it's a good fun time but you do sit every like, I've only seen it twice but both times I've just sat and watched it and been like what could this have been I like if they had like this could have been something so special I've for lack of a better term like an auteur behind yeah. it like I feel like that's what Marvel's been needing is auteurs and I feel like that's it because even any big franchise movie like these days it feels like they they announce oh th- this person's gonna direct it and you're like great that sounds cool then you see the movie and anybody could have made it aye I do admit though Thor Ragnarok yes. does look like a Taika Waititi film yeah that's kind of. that's because Maybe they want. Maybe they trying to copy the James Gunn thing because James Gunn and Taika Waititi so. do have like they are strange. They they are like strange strange style. Yeah, yeah. Like, and maybe maybe they're trying to go for something like that. That would be cool if they did. Because even yeah, because like as you say, most of them feel like they could have been directed by yeah, anyone. Scott, like I think Scott Derrickson is a pretty solid horror director. And you watch Doctor Strange, and you're like, this just this again. It just feels like a film that's been put out by 
Marvel Studios. It doesn't feel like Scott Scott Derrickson presents Doctor Strange is just it's Marvel presents Doctor Strange. And then it's annoying because like like that's something the other franchise uh, going for. Like Shane Black again is going to be doing the new Predators film. You're like that's cool. Like let's take a a property like and give it a Shane Black twist. And you feel like you want that with the Marvel films. It's Christmas on the Predator planet. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. Yeah, Predator with a Santa hat. Because like, because um, like, that's almost how Marvel have managed to click the formula so well is that they um, they have this like sense of humor about all of their films, and that comes from Joss Whedon yeah. doing Avengers most of it. Like there was humor before it, but it wasn't at the same level mm. as it is now. And they were like, they they went right, Joss Whedon, you make Avengers, and Avengers very much feels like a Joss. Uh, it Whedon does. Film. That was that. I was going to say that's probably the other one that has I think, the most kind of. It's, it's hard to that, think of like that distinctive director style. Aye. it's hard to think of that retrospectively because now the Russo brothers and uh, all the other directors they feel like they're they've like they have got their own styles and stuff and they and they're good directors and all that but they have got like an imitation of the Joss Whedon Avengers style. I'm kind of I'm sad that he's not doing that Joss Whedon's not doing the third Avengers because I feel like the past two kind of phases or whatever you, you call them you you get through all the little films and then you get Joss Whedon's big colorful crazy. Hmm thing where everyone's quipping and everyone just all the dialogue so fucking whip smart and like as much as I loved Civil War and they're doing Infinity War I'm like is this just gonna look like Civil War where it's more grounded and less kind of less colourful and less witty banter it's a shame because it, it is the Joss Whedon style because it was weird to when the Avengers walked on in the Avengers film they were suddenly all started speaking like Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. It was very, very. It was, um, it was very obvious. Joss Whedon had written this film, um, so, um, and it has got that. Yeah, like, they need more of that. They need more yeah. people. And if it, maybe that's what I think the doing. Russo brothers are great. Don't get me wrong. It's I, just, know, no, no, I think I, I think they they work well in the kind of more grounded political esque thrillers that have been the last two Captain America movies. Mm. And I think Joss Whedon works really well for. The big crazy, everybody's here, it's all wacky, we're fighting a robot, or we're fighting Loki, and he's quipping, and we're quipping, and everyone's quipping, and look how blue my Captain America suit is, look how blue it is. <laughs> Aye, that's, um, it is a sh- like, uh, maybe now they're starting to bring in autos for that. Mm. Maybe they're starting to bring it like Taka Waititi. Like he was a bizarre choice for Very four free. Choice. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of both the four films. Like the first mm. one's very. I like the first one. Good enough. I think it's good enough. The first one. Second one is very forgettable. Yeah. And it's like four free is like who cares about four free? Who cares about four free? I'm going around my life saying, "Oh, I don't care about four free." Who would care about? You four wake free? up in the morning. I, I'm you like, brush your teeth. You look in the mirror. You're like, I don't care about that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Radna, Radna, rock, rock. What? What? Yeah. I don't Radna. What? Um, and then they're like, "Oh, the director is Takawatiti." I care about four free. Yeah, really yeah, that's it. Free. All you need is I, the, and, and that's what that's what I mean is that's why I hope because I've kind of just become so numb to that where it's like so and so is going to be directing this and I'm like ah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll look like every other movie that in that franchise. Ah, because like it's because like four free feels like it's going to be a very different film yeah, from the I first so. two. And that's what makes it so ref- like the idea mm-hmm. so refreshing to get someone like Takawaititi in to do that. Um, and maybe they will do it more often. I'm trying to think who the next directors are. I mean, they haven't got. Uh, I've seen. I've seen the director who's doing Spider Man. I've seen his first film. What's Cop, his first Cop film? Car. Kevin Bacon. No, I'm not it's familiar good. with that one. It's very like I... quiet movie about two kids who steal a cop car. But do you think like? Do you think he's a bit more of a? 
committee he can fold into the committee I think he'll because cop car I lo- I did really like cop car a lot but it doesn't it doesn't have like a really standout style he's not like so, an interesting director yeah. in that sense like he's he's a competent director I'm sure he's a good director but like he's not an interesting director like in the same way Taka Waititi and James Gunn are hmm um, and like James Gunn as an author is clearly like so obviously stands out in yeah. like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 his style is so in there and it's so in, like it's so ingrained and in part of everything um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a James Gunn film yeah. um, which is exactly what you want these things to be uh, no I really like the style of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I like that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 can be so colourful even though most sci-fi films even like some of the best ones are quite gritty and grimy yeah. and black and greys and mm-hmm. oh, it's like like alien planets are like um, stuff like even even like um, Star Wars keeps it desert yeah. keeps it fairly simple Guardians of the Galaxy is like all of the colours there you go <laughs> have you all are. of them what? have them all you didn't even know that one existed have it 70 have for it. the price of one I, I love absolutely love it style uh, last last bit was just the soundtrack, which is not much to say. But what in comparison would you say first one, second one? Ah, uh, this the second one's kind of stranger. I thought because it was slightly more obscure. It's a bit more country. It's a bit more. Aye, uh, it's not quite as the first one's got really really iconic songs. The second one has got songs that yeah, the first one's got like Bowie and things like that. Aye. This one, this one, I I I knew Mr. Blue Sky. Aye. and I knew The Chain and I knew Father and Son Aye. Was... apart from that like they, they go like there's some of them it's I know bluegrass kind of song Southern Nights uh, and then there's like a, a kind of Mexican salsa kind of sounding song with uh, uh, Come a Little Bit Closer Um Brand, I think it's good that kind of brandy was integrated into the plot <laughs> I thought that was really that clever. was quite fun do uh, you think for in terms of soundtrack do you think that like they 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 set up the soundtrack for every song they use. They set up a reason why yeah, it's been played yeah, in a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there is only one moment when it's truly on the nose, though. When they're like, "Do you have any of Quill's music on the on the chip?" I think all the other times Aye. it's just kind of, "Oh, this character, the music's playing on the CD thing." Or but the... maybe my problem isn't that like it um, it feels on the nose, but like you don't need to as much. It's not like. Uh, Suicide Squad where you're wondering why they're using all these pop music but like you're going from Eminem to fucking House of the Rising Sun within within seconds of each other um, Guardians of the Galaxy has a pool of music and there's a reason it has that pool of music and it has it's appealing to a certain nostalgia it felt like after like the like seventh or eighth time they set up a reason why someone was listening to the music especially because it goes from like uh, in the headphones to like non digestic kind of, yeah, non digestic anyway, so. across the whole film anyway. At so. the same time I do like I kinda like the way that it, it does almost keep the music grounded a little bit. Where it's like, okay, the music is very much a part of the film hmm. in not just that the music's in the film and it's catchy, it's literally a part of the film. Like when you're hearing the music, the characters are hearing the music as well. And I kinda like okay. that aspect of it. I I don't know, maybe maybe like Maybe it didn't need to be like not. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, but maybe like no, a, I get you. Like a, a credit, like uh, almost giving James Gunn some slack. You don't have to just James Gunn if you don't want to justify every single song. You don't have to justify every single I song. Know, I don't know. I think I get the feeling he's probably just doing that himself. Yeah, he that's cool. Because that. again, I do think that 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 that's the reason for it is that the characters are experiencing the music at the same time. You are, you know, when you're watching them fight that monster in the beginning, they are all hearing Mister Blue Sky. Mm. as they're in that fight as well it's not just 
Ah, so they can it's react not just, oh, to it's it. It's a fun, like it's you know how crazy is this? We're playing a crazy wacky song over a big fight sequence. Like they are literally here in that in that environment as well, and I think that kind of works. Uh, well. In terms of which one better, I think the first one's got more famous songs. Uh, that kind of makes the soundtrack more iconic because these songs have been heard before. Like there's re- there's a yeah. reason why most of the songs in the first one are really famous songs. It's because they're damn good songs. Yeah. But I do like the second um, films. Um, deciding to go slightly more almost subtle yeah. slightly more out there a bit more bit more experimental a bit mm. more let's, let's try these songs and none, there isn't a, a song that you're like well that's a bad choice there isn't one no. even if it's a song I don't know I'm like that, this works really this well, works yeah. with this scene so like I think I like I, the first one I think is better just because it's more iconic and the music's obviously just on point for all of them but I gotta have props for the second one for just being that great. sort of strangeness. I think of. probably the second one just because I've been listening to it recently. So, Aye. Wham Bam Shamalam has basically been the soundtrack to my life recently. Cat Stevens, I remember before I saw the film, I saw that Father and Son was on the soundtrack, and I was like, okay, here's what I think is gonna happen. Gonna get to the end of the movie because I didn't think Kurt Russell was gonna be a bad guy, so I was like, you're gonna get to the end of the movie. Uh, Kurt Russell is gonna be like leaving. He's gonna be like, by the way, before the last time I saw your mum she gave me this and it's going to be a cassette tape uh, and f- he's going to go and play it and father and son is going to be the, the song on it one. and that's going to like play out the kind of Cement emotional end of the film. Yeah, yeah 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 and I was like okay and then that way we've also now got a setup for the soundtrack for the third movie but the way it w- I think it works so well the way they did it where they play it over his funeral uh, and um I I loved that he gets a zoom so we've got 300 uh, songs to choose from. And like, not even just 80s now. We've got like uh, up to the 2000s. I like the idea that like... No, I, I don't think they needed to do another soundtrack, another mixtape. I feel like they needed to progress. Especially because the next time you'll see them, they'll be on... They'll surely yeah, they'll have some sort Earth. of interaction yeah, yeah. with have, Earth. Yeah. So like they don't need to be that isolated. Uh, I called Yondu's death. You did call Yondu's death, which I was impressed by. I was like, it's son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, before before I saw the gun. film, I was like, Yondu, I feel like he's going to die. I didn't think he's, like, I thought of it as like a mentor thing, because there's always the um, Joseph Campbell's journey for story where the mentor dies at some point. I didn't realize the me- him, the mentor would be so paternal. I didn't realize that they would actually yeah. make him pretty much yeah. Star-Lord's metaphorical father. Yeah. But like, I thought like, oh, definitely mentor. If, if like in the second film you almost feel like you have to kill someone if you're going to kill someone I feel like Yandu's probably mm-hmm. the one you would yeah, most likely to kill works well for all the characters it worked well for the way they set up the story um, yeah that's it I think we both agree Guardians 2 is yeah. better go see it um, go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volcano Vol- 2 go see Tommy Lee Jones as a guardian of the Volcano 2 we should watch Volcano we should watch Volcano uh, we're going to wrap up pretty quickly because we've been recording for quite a while and we are also supposed to be in a pub right now <laughs> and I also really need to pee shout out to our friends waiting for us waiting right for now us at the pub. Well, when you, if you hear this first of all post yes on the Facebook wall and <laughs> second of all please don't forget you're not waiting in the pub right hopefully you're not waiting in the pub right now <laughs> I would say that there's probably I would say one of them will arrive within the next few minutes right. so uh, Danny people can find us where can they find us they can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Second Opinion Pod um, with a two second with a two yep. uh, as I say post yes on our wall we want to know I want to see anyone, wanna, want... anyone who listened just post the word yes on the Facebook wall go on do it we want to we want to we want to know you're listening um, we also we put up a video re- yeah recently. we put up a video we put up a, a video plug that I guess it would be last week at this point it's a little, just an excerpt from 
the last podcast where we talked about awkward Q&As. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can look at us talking with your eye. Ooh, your and then regret it. Regret it so it. much. Um, but will there, will there, what's the, is there going to be another one? Yeah, I think I'd like to keep the video thing going. Yeah, I think that. it'd be good. It'd be a good way to kind of experiment with some stuff. Aye, be good fun. But um, cool. yeah, I really need to pee, everybody. So <laughs> you need to know that. So uh, remember to enjoy your J.K. Simmons. Enjoy your J.K. Eat your J.K. Simmons, and see you all later. See you. Bye. 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 Love you.